Welcome back to our second part of our look at the uh, new ideas that come about here in the early modern era and looking at chapter 15 in the Strayer book. Uh, we're going to take a look at what remained the same and also what changed outside of uh, Europe and Christianity. So we're going to start in Africa. Uh, and Africa, you really see kind of in West Africa, it'll remain is Islamic. In East Africa, it'll remain Islamic. And then um, around the coast, you might see some people convert to Christianity, but it really remains with traditional religions. And so then when the, um, when the Africans get taken over through the slave trade, uh, they're going to morph Christianity in those slave colonies. And so you see things like voodoo coming up, which dominates like Haiti, uh, also Santeria. Um, and um, so you see those coming about, and they're mixing those ideas together. Um, so that's a little bit for kind of Africa. There isn't a ton going on there, a ton of new things. Uh, in Islam, uh, we see expansion again, uh, really through the Sufis. Uh, it's not through conquering, but it's through trading and through the uh, Sufis uh, and them spreading it and also scholars moving around. And um, it, it's usually them spreading ideas of education and people wanting to become more educated and uh, getting advice or getting aid from the Islamic empires. I mean, you have some pretty strong ones here with, with the Ottomans and the Safavids. So people want to be a part of that to, to make those relationships, have those connections. And... Uh, we see this primarily go to um, Southeast Asia and places like uh, Sumatra um, and Java. So we see it get there in Indonesia, uh, all those kind of little island chains, which we already seen going in, in into the Indian Ocean trade. We see it spreading there towards the end of that. Um, and so this is early on in this time period. Uh, we'll see that lesson um, with the Dutch getting in there and the Christians starting to colonize it. And it'll... It won't completely stop it yet, but uh, we'll see that lesson um, start to tail off towards the end of this time frame. And um, we, uh, the again, Islam, just as we saw with Christianity there uh, in, in the Americas, will morph and take on some of those cultures. So um, we'll see them take on traditions. Uh, we'll see merchants. Uh, adopting kind of orthodox views, but then um, the the rest of the public will will be more of uh, mixing with those traditions, and uh, we'll see conflicts coming about because of that. Because we want to keep it pure, or some people want to keep it pure, uh, and so we see that happening. Um, and then we see a new version of Islam come about in Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, it's not Saudi. Sorry, Saudi Arabia is the modern country there in Arabia. But it will have a heavily influence on uh, the Saudi family and will become the uh, version that uh, Islam that the Saudi family today uh, kind of pushes. And that is uh, Wahhabism, uh, which was led by a guy named Muhammad ibn uh, Abdi al-Wahhabi, or Wahhab. And um, he uh, reforms it in trying to bring... Islam back to what he thought was the base. It makes it very conservative, um, and um, we'll we'll see Islam change and go from being this open, uh, pushing science and stuff like that that we saw in the Abbasid and Umayyad caliphates to rejecting that stuff, um, giving women a little bit of space, but also really restricting what they can and can't do, um, 
and uh, lessening their uh, rights and uh, saying that they have to be fully covered and things like that. So um, we see those things um, starting to go away with these ideas and they'll have more of an influence later on. And this actually doesn't really fall within our time period. It happens, I think, shortly after this time frame. Um, but it's a good thing to make note now because it fits in with the, the ideas that we're going with here. Uh, in China, we see Neo-Confucianism or Confucianism still dominating things, uh, especially with the Ming and the Qing dynasties. Uh, the, the Ming definitely follow it because they are uh, truly Han Chinese. And the Manchurians from, uh, that start the Qing dynasty uh, also want to look Chinese, so they'll adopt those. Um, so you're still going to have foot binding going on. You're still going to have women being less. Uh, Buddhists um, <coughs> are lessened and don't have a huge influence. Um, but um, they, they need to withdraw to, uh, from society to get uh, and reach enlightenment. They can't really play an active role. So we see them going away from Mahayana Buddhism and going more to Theravada Buddhism. Um, uh, what else do we want to say there? Uh, you also have some ideas of a scientific revolution happening there with a guy named Cao Zheng, uh, who... It uh, brings about a kind of a more scientific approach where you need to research and do things based on evidence, not just go on what tradition says and believing that. And so we see some changes happening there. And um, we see also a kind of golden age. Maybe I shouldn't say it's a golden age. It probably doesn't stretch that far or it's not that huge. But we do see an emphasis on uh, new plays, novels, and painting. And we see a, a rise in those things during the Ming Dynasty. And then uh, last year we need to talk about is India. And we see in India... That Hinduism is still dominant, uh, although it's uh, although they're controlled by the Mughal Empire. Again, another uh, we were talking about dominant uh, Islamic country or kingdoms. Um, that's one of the dominant ones. Um, so, uh, what we see going on there is we see a mix of Hinduism and Islam, which we had already talked about last unit. Uh, Sikhism has already had already come around uh, with Guru Nanak, uh, but uh, we see that coming up again. Uh, it melds things, so it says there's only one God, but it believes in uh, reincarnation and things like that. They ignore the caste system, um, and uh, they have their own holy book uh, that was made by Guru Nanak. And uh, their holy spot is known as the Temple of Amritsar. Uh, this is a really cool temple. I can't remember exactly where it is in India to give you a direction, but um, it's a golden, uh, a golden temple to go to. And uh, they do have some kind of uh, unique uh, regulations. Uh, men can't cut their hair or their beards. And uh, they also have to always carry a sword. And there's a practical reason for that last one um, and for the first one. One, they, they're, um, it's one way to separate themselves and see each other out there in the public, as well as carrying the sword uh, they need to do because, both, uh, because they're a combination of the two. Both Hindus and Muslims didn't like them and so would fight with them. Um, and so they become a militant group, and they'll become a, a major fighting force for when the British try to uh, incorporate them. Or not try to, but incorporate them into the, their military. Uh, the other thing that we'll see is um, bhakti in India. And uh, this is something that's emphasized by uh, women. And it brings everyone together, uh, trying to do it through song and dance and poetry. And it disregards the caste system. So it's trying to bring everyone together Um and uh, it looks to try to get rid of things like sati, um, and it's a it's a look at reforming uh, Hinduism, uh, but um, it doesn't 
kind of change the dominant culture. It, it it's Hinduism going to stay kind of how it was, but this is a new reform movement that came up in it to try to change things. And uh, really, that's kind of everything there for here or for the traditions outside of Europe. And we see a lot more things maintaining the same than than changing. Uh, the last thing we'll look at is the scientific revolution along with the Enlightenment in part three.